This message has been on my heart for probably uh, going on three weeks, and uh, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited. I don't know how you guys are going to feel about it. But I know that I know this is a message that we, the body, need to hear. And when I say that, I truly mean myself. I've studied, I've studied through it. Um, and, and, and again, I don't call myself arrived. I don't call myself perfect. Um, I call myself a work in progress that is, is, is striving to be shoulder to shoulder with my, my Savior and, and getting better every time. Amen? Amen. So uh, why don't we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you're doing in, in the body, across the world, in pastors' lives across the world, in life church right here in the Treasure Valley. Holy Spirit, you have your way today. Open up the, hears, the ears of the hearers and the eyes of, of the seers to see the truth and to hear the truth. And Holy Spirit, use me in whatever way you'd like, for I'll be a fool for your gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we have, we have a few things that I need to cover. Um, starting this month, for the next six months, we have our pre-service prayer teams. They're powerful. It's something that, that I take part in. Uh, I went back and, and joined the prayer team this morning, and I walked in, and, and I wanted to tell the, the prayer team, but I needed to get back to the green room. I walked in, and it really seemed as though there were waves hitting me. And uh, I kind of sat back and went, man, I wish I would have went in earlier. And uh, so if, if you're interested in, in joining a prayer team, uh, we meet before uh, church starts for about 30 minutes. Um, and if they have the slide up, you can text in the phone number right there and text the word pray and uh, fill out just real quick information. It's probably going to be your name and email. We'll send you that information and we'll get you connected to a team. Amen. And then I have to do this. I, I'm the pastor over in, in the cafe. Cafe, how's everyone doing over there? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, everyone be quiet in the main. Cafe, how you guys doing over there? I want to see if we can hear you. That's my cafe crew right there. Yeah, cafe. Come on, we know how to praise over there. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, hallelujah. Glory to God. They must have listened to Pastor Joe's tithing message about Paul and Silas. You're going to start praising God. The walls will break down. We don't need demolition. We'll take care of it by praises. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I'm, I'm going to kind of get, get into a, a, a story that I, I had to walk through. Um, if you've heard me speak before, I kind of do that a lot. Um, and, and I kind of wish... I'm not going to say that. I'm glad he's able to use my, my failures... Um, to hopefully help you guys, um, and I know I learned through them, and and so as he gave me this message, it was actually in a Friday prayer. We pray here every Friday from noon to one, and uh, I was sitting over there on the steps, and and I went, "Ooh, are you sure? Like, you want me to preach that? I mean, that's the gospel's good news. This is going to be like tomatoes thrown at me. Are you sure?" And so I started, I started praying about it and, and seeking the Holy Spirit and, and seeing what direction he was going to give. And then all of a sudden he reminded me of the story I had to walk through. And, and it wasn't a very fun time in, in, in my career in law enforcement. Um, and so I, I got, this, 
got the position as a canine handler, I was ecstatic. It was something I wanted to do since I was a little boy, like in second grade. I don't know how old second graders are. And uh, so I was ecstatic. I had this dog. We prayed about the dog. And, and we got the dog. I mean, he let himself in and out of the house to relieve himself. I didn't even have to get up. I mean, he was amazing. Um, you know, I had to worry about him jumping over the fence at my neighbor that was terrified of him. And uh, so we had some pretty good success. Um, and I believe we had good success because we prayed about our dog. We said, God, if, you got to send me a dog that my wife is going to be okay with. And then I didn't know Jen was praying God, you better send a good dog because I grew up in a house with a police dog and he ate everything. And all of our friends' dogs did brutal things to their homes, ate sheetrock and thought every piece of wall was theirs to mark. And, um, oh, that's a joy, real fun job. And uh, so we had some pretty good success. He was a great tracker. Anyways, we get into this situation and circumstance of a murder, uh, a murder case investigation. And uh, there was a neighboring, neighboring community officer, uh, and his canine uh, didn't track, didn't pick up the, the odor for whatever reason. And uh, they found out Diesel was working, so we got that dog out there. And, and lo and behold, we ended up tracking down the suspect hiding in a, in a play structure um, in a daycare facility. And so, uh, you know, we ripped down the fence, and uh, don't we repaired it. Um, not myself, because that wouldn't have went very well either. And uh, so the city repaired the fence, but we caught the suspect. He's in, he's wherever he's at, I actually don't know where he's at. Um, and so all that got taken care of. Lo and behold, um, I had a lot of help from a senior officer who had been a canine handler for a long time, but he got a really bad dog. We both got back in the unit, and he got a bad dog. Um, and then I had this dog that was like, Jesus. I mean, it was unreal. I mean, he never left my side. He did everything. I looked at him and he seemed like he knew what to do. It was unbelievable. And then he got this dog that bit his calf and tore his calf muscle off. Yeah, amazing. And, uh, and so this officer was helping me out on this call. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go to the back, back fence and I'm going to hold perimeter. Okay. Well, don't talk because I don't want Diesel coming and biting you. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Well, lo and behold, Diesel gets some serious accolades. Uh, he was the first canine for Boise Police Department to receive a silver star. And uh, that was an award we got and, and so forth. And then all of a sudden, I start hearing some things. Fellow officers are like, hey, dude, so-and-so saying this. And I'm like, what? You're kidding me. Like, the guy's mad about this? I don't, he can have my silver star. I could care less. It's a stupid pin. Like, it's one more thing to put on the uniform that, that worries he has to fall off from getting a seatbelt off. Who cares? I'll give it to him. Uh, it, it's kind of gone beyond that. He's going to the lieutenant, and he's starting to say things about you. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, what? I mean, if they're true, they're true, right? I mean, hey, if they're true, I did it. Fall on my sword. But they weren't true. They weren't true at all. And it was starting, these true statements were starting to, to, to separate our canine unit. They were starting to cause a division. You know, it's interesting, as, as we talk negative things about one another, division happens. It's a tool of the enemy. It's a tool of the enemy. You know, there was a lot of pain that was going on with me. And I didn't know how to handle this pain. 
the, the Bill side of me wanted to go out there and, and I'm just going to be honest. I want to smash his face in. I'm just being honest. This was me seven years ago, eight years ago. That, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, you want to say that? And just keep punching him for everything thing he said. And who knows, he might have beat me up. He was bigger than me. So I started praying about it. I'm like, God, I don't even know what to do. Everyone's telling me to go address him and talk to him and call him on the carpet. And you know, I think what would have happened, he would have got in his pride. And then I would have got in my pride. And we would have both acted like fools. And then if I was the canine supervisor, I would have kicked both of us off. I said, you're both gone. I'm not dealing with this. You two are not more important than the team. And we weren't by any means. So I started praying, saying, Holy Spirit, you know, he's our teacher and guide, right? So I said, hey, I'm going to hold you to your word. Teach me how to get through this. It was making our life at home even brutal because I just, sometimes things consume me and I don't stop thinking about it. And I like to be liked. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want them to not like me um, unless it's Dave and whatever. And so I'm just kidding. We're halfway there, Dave. We're halfway through. And, uh, and so um, Holy Spirit ends up telling me, he goes, hey, man, I'm going to remind you of something. I went, what? Come on. Are you sure? So as he did that, I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's look into the Word and see. And so let's open up to uh, Matthew 27, verse 13. You know, it's awesome when it's awesome when Holy Spirit reminds you of scriptures. Do you know why? Because that typically means you've actually read that scripture. Somewhere along your along the line in your private time, it was like, I didn't even know I read that. And then you read it and you're like, oh, it's highlighted. I don't know, I, I didn't know I read it. So this is talking about when Jesus was 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 getting called to the carpet, so to speak. And he was being judged. He was being brought forth to Pilate and being questioned. Now, this, this teaching um, goes on to just further than what I'm about to talk about today. Husbands, take this as, as, as marriage advice. Take this as marriage advice, and, and your home will become more peaceful than you could ever imagine. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? I mean, they were saying some crazy things about Jesus, making things up. I mean, Pharisees were in the crowd, festering statements, festering statements, false accusations, things that weren't even true. And so Pilate says, do you not hear what they say against you? But he answered him not one word. But Jesus answered him not one word. They were saying all these things, and Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. I mean, just, just a little bit time before that, he was praying, and, and he was sweating blood. Our Savior was sweating blood. He knew the outcome of this. He knew the outcome by saying nothing. He was going to get crucified. Brutally beaten, flesh ripped from his, from his bones. Bones broken. You know, we were singing a song, and I almost lost it over there because I started seeing that. 
And uh, you know, it's amazing when you think about Jesus being beaten for you and, and his flesh being torn from his bones. And we were still sinners at that time. Still sinners. We were really probably no different than the Pharisees speaking against him. But yet he still did it. And he said not one word. So that the governor marveled greatly. So, Pastor Bill, are you telling me that that when people speak ill against us and they put us through persecution and they're calling us out and they're saying wrong things and they're lying about you and they're lying about me, they're lying about our church, they're lying about God, we are to say nothing? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It goes against every grain in our body unless unless some, some of us have matured farther along than others. Amen? It goes against every grain that I was raised by. I was raised by, it, by a, a single mom who fought for everything, and she flat out said, man, if anybody says anything bad against you, man, go straight up to him and call him out, and if you get in a fight, get in a fight. I mean, I, I, yeah. She was mom and dad, right? So we're supposed to say nothing. I didn't say anything while this gentleman was, was saying things about me. I didn't say anything. Nothing at all. And so I read that scripture and I started reading it. And then Holy Spirit brings me to another scripture. Now I'm telling you, you guys aren't going to like this. Because as, as two years ago, there was a Bible college student who was going through a similar, a similar event in, in her life. And the boss was making her life rather difficult. Who's in here has dealt with that? I mean, I can't raise my hand anymore. I'm part of, I'm not. <laughs> Woo, it's not on, it's not getting the internet right now. Pastor didn't see that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that was unplanned. That was, sorry, I'm still laughing inside. <laughs> I'll owe him lunch. But I mean, we've, we've all dealt with it. Whether, it, whether it's a co-worker, I knew this was going to come up. I knew this was going to come up. Moms and daughters. Moms and daughters, man. You know, when I was praying for this service on Friday, I, I thank God that somebody else confirmed it and then uh, because it was tripping me out. But I was asking, I was asking God to show me his people that needed ministered to. And he continually showed me women walking through the door. Continually showing me. And I'm like, I'm a dude. I know dudes need ministered to. Hey, man. Like, come on. So what's, up, what's up with the dudes? Let's get on the guys. I'm all about firing up guys, calling you out, stepping up in your homes. I needed it. Still need it every so often. Hey, get home and do the yard work instead of golf. Can we pay someone like my daughter? <laughs> Joking. Jen never says that. Um, but moms and daughters, there's something going on that you guys need freedom from. And so I'm just going to say women. Women in general. Let the harms of the words that have been spoken against you fall off and fall away. 
maybe the things that maybe, maybe you said about your mom or mom said about you. But let them go away. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything. The power of forgiveness is more powerful than anything. I'm telling you, as, as, as I'm not a woman, but <laughs> I'm telling you, there is something on this for, for moms and daughters today. I don't know if it's because there's things like currently going on or just has been over a, a, a lifetime. But I do know that it's affecting your relationship currently with your loved ones. And you're letting those circumstances and you're letting those hurt words actually control you now in your current circumstance, in your current situation. And they're actually controlling you. But we as Christians are not supposed to do that. We should step back and say, okay, that was said. The person said something hurtful. Well, Pastor Bill, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I know somebody did. So let's go, let's go to Matthew 5.44. Anybody familiar with this? Because as this, as this Bible college student came and spoke to me about this boss situation, I said, you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you because I had to walk through this myself and it was brutal. I couldn't believe it when Holy Spirit showed me this verse. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was really hoping you'd let me go and just like, Bleh. like all over him. Tell him a piece of my mind. Matthew 5.44 says this, But I say to you, this is Jesus saying, this is not Pastor Bill, so don't get mad at me. All right? But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully, spitefully use you and persecute you. Now the definition of persecute is, is simply this. To treat cruelly or unfair. To pursue, to press on to, to harass, and to bring judgment. Jesus was being persecuted. He was being brought to judgment. This this Bible college student was being persecuted, being pursued on a constant basis, being harassed on a constant basis. And and, and again, I've, I've been harassed. Have you guys been harassed? I mean, think about when a police officer is following you behind for like five miles. Like, is that not harassment? Come on. Jeez, I would get complaints. Hey, Thomas, this is Sergeant so-and-so. Are you following this car? I don't know. What, what, what car? Well, the car you're right behind. Oh, yeah. Are you waiting to pull it over? Nope. I'm going to lunch. Well, where are you going to lunch? I don't know. That's why I'm following it. I was hoping they were going to buy my lunch when I followed them into lunch. No, no joke. People called in. They're like, they're harassing me. They're following me. I'm on a call. Turn. See if I'm following you. Now, if I follow you like 100 blocks and I'm making each turn, then yeah, I want to pull you. Well, I don't because I'm not a cop anymore, but other cops would probably want to pull you over. And it doesn't take much to pull. I'm getting on a side tangent. It doesn't take much to pull people over. But we've all experienced that kind of like feeling of harassment, right? Like, oh, this is not fun. And, you know, you start going like set the cruise control at 25. 
and you're checking turn signals, you're making sure that, you know, everything's great. And then you see the lights come on, and you're like, oh, you're harassing me. And then you have to go in front of a judge. And then that's when you get persecuted because now you have to pay a fine, right? Well, what if we said nothing? What if when we were being harassed, we said nothing? What if when people were saying brutally things about you or your family or your loved ones, and you said nothing, but you did this? But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray. Now, come on. Now, this is the one that's tough. And pray. See, to me, prayer is one of the most intimate things that, another, that, that one does. It was something that, was, that it was difficult for, for me to pray with my wife, to be honest, because I got raised in a situation where, where prayer seemed very intimate. I never saw mom and dad do it together. I only saw my grandpa do it by himself because grandma died. And so to me, prayer was intimate. So when I read stuff like this, I'm like, are you kidding me? I have to pray for this guy? Like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? Like, how do I take this heart of, of hardness towards him and pray for him? How do I do that? You know, there's, a, there's another scripture in, in James that, that talks about if we will ask him, he will give us generously without rebuke. You can go to God and say, God, I don't know how to pray, but will you, will you, will you have your Holy Spirit teach me? And he will not rebuke you. He will give you generously the wisdom of how to do that. So I go to Holy Spirit and I start praying to him. Holy Spirit, teach me how to deal with this person. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to walk through this. I don't even, I don't even want to go to canine training anymore because I want to punch him. Get rid of that. And you know what? It was the longest, most grueling thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. I sweated blood. It was forever. I'm joking, man. God met me in just a minimum of two weeks. Can you believe that? I, I put God's word to practice. And I said, okay, you're showing me this for a reason. I'm going to do it. And then you have to do it. Now, I didn't pray any prayer of Jehovah's sneaky prayer like, hey, Holy Spirit, hover over this man's life and get him. <laughs> like, get him, sick him, you know. I didn't do that because Holy Spirit didn't tell me to do that, thankfully. Uh, well, that could be kind of funny too. But he didn't tell me to do that. You know what I prayed for? I'll never forget these prayers. I continued to pray, and I, and, I, and I was like, God, will you bless him? And at first when I started praying that, there really wasn't, the heart wasn't really in it. It really wasn't. And then I started looking up what bless meant. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, he needs that. He needs happy in his life. He needs joy in his life. God, would you bless him and his wife? God, in fact... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to intercede for this family right now from this point on, and I'm going to pray that they become pregnant because mama wants a baby. And everything changed from that point on. Sorry, when I talk about stuff, it's like it takes me right back. And so I start praying for her to become pregnant and that he would be the best dad that he ever was. And then he said, and also when you start going to canine training and you start seeing him, help him. And so I did. I started helping everything with him and his dog and making sure his dog was going to be the best. Two weeks, guys. 
This went on for a, about six to nine months. And in two weeks, it was taken care of. Two weeks by putting God's word. Amen. My God is alive. Is your God alive? I mean, do you really trust him? I mean, come on. Yes. Do we really trust him? Because if we go down further, you know what I became by doing this? This is awesome. I didn't, man, I didn't, I didn't intend to preach on this, but I felt like I just got kicked. He said this. Now give him this. Verse 45. That you may be a son of your father in heaven. Glory to God, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. Amen. Let's start having that rain fall on the unjust. Let's start having that anointing fall on the unjust. Don't they need it too? Didn't somebody pray that for you? They prayed it for me. Thank God I had a praying aunt and praying grandpa and praying, man, probably praying teachers too. A lot of probably, man, a lot of praying teachers. Probably a lot of praying Oregon City police officers too going, oh, Lord Jesus, please don't let him grow up. Whew. Get him before he grows up. Became, man. I didn't even realize at that moment that I became a son of the Father in heaven. By doing verse, 50, verse 44. I didn't even recognize it at the time. Didn't even recognize it. Our God is so good. Our God is so good. He's waiting to get out of you. And you know how he gets out of you? By you putting his word right back in his face and say, God, I just put your word into action. Now you better come true and you better be true. He can't help it, guys. It's like my daughters. If they ask me for something, I can't help it. Daddy... Oh, man, I'm going to lose something. <laughs> right when they say, Daddy, something's given. And I say, go ask Mom. <laughs> that goes all the way back to, hey, remember moms and daughters? Yeah. Dads, come on, start, start telling your daughters no. <laughs> how come it's so hard to look at the cute little daughter and just tell them no? A son? Are you kidding me how easy that would be? Boy, get out of my face. That would be the easiest thing. Pastor PJ, you ain't got it hard yet. If you're listening this down wherever you're at, brother, come on. You ain't got it hard yet. Wait till that little girl starts growing up and you have to tell her no. Then all his boys, Mac, are going to be like, Dad, you always told us no. In fact, Trey, go get her for yourself. He's going to make Trey serve her. Amen? That would be funny. I think he should anyways. And so... As I, as I did that, it was amazing how easy it became. And this is what happened. This is how I knew God's word took place. We go downtown Boise, and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and we get called to an uh, alarm. And now there was part of me that's like, awesome, there's going to be a guy or girl, whatever. I always said guy. Um, there's going to be a guy in this building, and he's breaking in, and, and Diesel's going to have a snack. And, and so, um, you know, I was excited trying to beat him there. And, and we get there, we clear the building, no one's there, um, bummer. And, um, and so we go back out and, and we're writing up the alarm report, or I'm writing up the alarm report because I'm younger than him, and, uh, and we start chit-chatting. And right there in, the, in an alley near 6th and Main in downtown Boise, all of heaven just goes, I told you, son, I was real. 
And I almost started crying when this happened because I was ecstatic. This gentleman, as we were talking, says, hey, I need to apologize. And I went, for what? I was thinking he messed up the call. (laughs) And I was like, for what, dude? Man, I've been saying things about you that ain't true. In fact, to the lieutenant and the sarge. And that's why you've been kind of having a tough time with them. And I said, I know you have. And he goes, why didn't you come to me? And I said, well, I couldn't. And he goes, what do you mean you couldn't? We can talk about everything. I said, well, apparently not. You talked behind my back. Um, (laughs) Isn't it funny when people say things about you, they always come to you and they're like, we could talk. (laughs) Really? For six months you've been talking, but not to me. And so, (laughs) somebody somebody got that over there. And so... uh, So he apologizes, and I said, look, I don't even want to know what you've said. I don't even want to know. But thank you for going to the lieutenant and the sergeant and letting them know it wasn't true. And I said, now I'm going to let you know how I handled it. And he's like, all right, am I getting called to the principal's office, so to speak? And I said, no, 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 man. I prayed for you. And he goes, what? And I said, look, man, I know you don't believe in God, and I know you had a rough childhood and so forth, but, but... Jesus told me to pray for my enemies and those that persecute me and to pray blessings over to them. I've never seen it before. I didn't know how to do it, dude. I have to call him dude, otherwise I'm going to call his name and I can't say his name. And, uh, and I said, you know, I've been praying that you and your wife will get pregnant with a healthy baby and that you would have, that, that he would have another chance at being an amazing dad because he wasn't so good the first time. And that ate him up. It really ate him up. It almost controlled him. It controlled him to a bad point. And so he just looked at me and goes, Wow, dude, thank you. Thank you. It was over. We never had another issue again. Never another issue again. Well, what do you think would have happened if I would have went and addressed him without that? Hmm. I know some of my guys on the team would have been taking bets on who was going to beat who. I probably would have bet on him. And, and we can sit back and say, well, of course. Well, you're a pastor. I know you were a cop then, but you, were, you, you had a calling on your life then, and you're a pastor, and you're perfect. No. Don't do that to pastors. And of course, Jesus did it because he was the son of God, right? I mean, he prayed, he prayed and he sweated blood. I haven't done that. Have you done that? So let's go to Acts. I'm just going to prove to you that, that you can't look at me and say, well, geez, Pastor Bill, this has happened with you and this happens with you. And, and, and I'm going to be honest. I've heard people say, well, dude, you're, you're blessed. Like you get everything you ask for. Like even, even my wife will be like, hey, hon, this person at work wants you to pray for him. It, it's true. They're like, she'll call and she's like, hey, so-and-so wants you to pray for him. Why? Well, because you always get what you want. And I'm like, I do, don't I? I do. Tell them that, that I'm God's favorite. It's no longer John, it's me. I'm his favorite and I get everything I want. It is so true. Jesus loves me more than you. <laughs> totally joking. Let's go to Acts chapter 7. 
Now, this is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories. So when, when Holy Spirit tied this story into this, because I'd never seen this before, I had never seen this story tied into this. I have a, and, I, and, and, and even when I saw this and he started having me study this into this, this sermon, I was wanting to teach missions. I was so wanting to teach missions. I'm like, come on, let, let's teach missions through this and, and get the church completely just ridiculously activated for the Treasure Valley and, and Idaho and Washington and the States and Europe and Australia and Africa. Like, let's totally get this on a mission thing. And he wouldn't allow me. He, he kind of knows better than I. So if we go to chapter 7, verse 54, we're going to talk about Stephen. Who here knows about Stephen? Raise your hand. All right. Some of us do, some of us don't. Stephen was awesome. Stephen was one of my favorite dudes in all of the Bible because really what he started out was washing tables. My man was washing tables. And you know what separated him? was It said that he was full of the Holy Ghost, Tanya. Full of the Holy Ghost. And I sit back and go, well, how did people know he was full of the Holy Ghost? He wasn't preaching. He wasn't praying for people. He was setting up tables and cleaning tables. How did they know he was full of Holy Ghost and not person person B? And the only thing my mind can wrap around is, is this. If you put a person full of the Holy Ghost on an airplane, on this airplane, on Emirates, and you put a person on airplane B on Emirates going to the same place, person with full of Holy Ghost is going to get somebody saved, going to get somebody healed, and somebody set free on that plane ride. This, this, this Christian over here that's just going, oh, well, this is just a place from point A to point B, and when we get there, then we'll go ahead and do our mission. Nothing's going to happen on that airplane ride. So my mind sits in back and goes, dude, Stephen's table must have been amazing. Like whatever table Stephen set up and washed and, and put chairs under, I wonder if what they saw and what stuck out to them was that people were getting healed in Stephen's table and not person B's table. And they sat back and they went, well, Stephen must be full of the Holy Ghost. And so he was one of these guys that got selected by the, by the, by the, the leaders of the church at that time and to, to be sent out and teach the gospel. Can you imagine getting called up and all of a sudden being like, hey, you're so full of the Holy Ghost, we see it in you. You walk in, you walk in power, you walk in grace, you walk in love, and, and everyone you talk to gets healed, set free, or saved. You're a walking gospel. We need you to go out. Well, that's what happened to Stephen. So Stephen went out, and everywhere he preached the gospel, miracles, signs, and wonders followed. He was an evangelist. In fact, he was the first evangelist. So he goes out and just starts, I mean, just wrecking villages. I mean, setting people free and people getting healed and thousands coming to salvations. It's awesome. Well, then there became some people that didn't like him. You know, it always seems funny. The people that persecute you and persecute us, isn't it weird that they're supposed to be with us? Isn't that weird? Jealousy is a horrible thing. Envy is a horrible thing. You know, Pastor Joseph over in Africa has this statement. He says, Pastor Bill, be very careful. I said, Pastor Joseph of what? Be very careful of the people that put you up on a pedestal. The ones that put you on a pedestal want to knock you off. Hmm. And he goes, do you understand what I mean? 
And I said, and I, and I love how he thinks. I so I said, no, carry, carry on. He says, if you were a cop. And I said, that ain't funny. And so he says, if you were a cow, they would put you up and milk you. But once they were done milking you, they push you off. They have no more need for you. He says, be careful of those people. They only want to milk you. And I went, ooh, ooh, ooh. I didn't know my man was talking about Matthew 5.44. Yeah. And then he started prophesying me before we got on the airplane ride. This last time, he's like, be careful. People saw you walk in things they've never seen another walk in. Be careful. They'll turn against you. Ooh. You know, you, get, you better start listening when somebody starts prophesying. And so, so Stephen was doing all this, and people started coming against him. When they heard these things in verse 54, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him. Because up above, I guess I should explain that, up above, he, he calls them out. He calls them a stiff-necked generation. And he basically tells them this. In a, in a nutshell, Stephen was bold. He says this. Your fathers are the ones that killed the prophets. And you're the one who killed Jesus. You don't listen to a thing that the, that the God... They even sent you the laws with an, by an angel and you still didn't listen. And so they were mad at him when he, when he said all that. And they gnashed their teeth. And But being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing there at the right hand. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears. They stopped listening and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And with the witness laid down, the the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who was killing all the Christians at the time, who later became Paul. And they stoned Stephen. They were sitting there throwing stones at him, not little pebbles, stones at his face. Stones at his body. I've never been persecuted like that. I've met a pastor in, in Africa who was. He was shot three times, hit with the fa- in the face with an AK-47 butt, butt in, and thrown in a ditch for dead because he was one of five Christian pastors of the time. He was one of three that survived and carried Christianity through in Uganda. Praise God for that man. Amen. What an honor to meet him. And they stoned Stephen. He was calling out God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I pray that every single one of us in here can get this spirit. We have it on the inside. We have him on the inside. We have Him on the inside of us. We have everything that it takes to become this. To achieve this. And He says this. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And this blows me away. Stephen, he kneels down. It didn't say he fell down, but he kneeled down. Stephen knelt down. And he cried with a loud voice. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Man, we're saying bad things about one another. We're we're having bad things said about us. And we're acting like it's the end of the world. 
There's people in litigation and lawsuits all over the world talking about, oh, slander, oh, defamation. How about we line you up and start stoning you? We must, as a Christian body, I'm telling you that I know that I know, there is something on this. We must, as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, we must start becoming like Stephen, like Jesus, like Paul, like, like Silas. We must start becoming a people, a generation, Christ-like, Christians if you must, to a point of saying, it's okay. I know who I am. My wife knows who I am. And he calls out, do not charge them with their sin. Father, forgive them. That's pretty much what my man said. God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against each other. We fight against principalities and spiritual things in heavenly places. Amen. So when are we, we know it, but when are we going to start walking in it? When are we going to start sitting there going, oh no, I get it. I'm not going to say anything. God bless them. God pour into their lives. Holy Spirit, bless their families. Forgive them. They don't even know that they're a fool. Put labors into their path. Amen. We must do it. If we do it, can you imagine the change? Can you imagine the change in your home? And mamas, I'm coming back to you. And daughters, I'm coming back to you. Can you imagine the change in you and your relationships around you? When we don't walk in offense towards one another. And men, it goes for us too. I'm not like completely lumping us out of it. But for some reason, there's something on it for mamas and daughters and, and women today about that. We must do that. We must do that. It's what Jesus came for. He came to wipe away all of that. He came to, to, to shower us with the grace of his love. Came to forgive you of your sins. Forgive me of my sins, thank God. That I'll make heaven my home forever and ever. I can't wait to get there and actually walk down the hallway and see Paul. Like, I'm really excited to see Paul for some weird reason. I don't know why. Like, I, I love Jesus, and I'm going to see Jesus. Like, I get it. But for some weird reason, I just can't wait to see Paul and ask him some questions. Like, ah, I do. And if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus, it's simple. It's not religion. I'm not sitting up here teaching you religion. I'm teaching you a relationship with the Almighty King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm teaching you that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to set you apart. He wants to lift you up to a higher place. He wants your life to be blessed. He wants to hear you say, I get everything I ask for. I get everything I ask for. My wife's still in awe of it. She's like, I couldn't believe it. Bill, Bill left his job as a police officer. He's like, well, we're going to become members at this country club. She's like, you're out of your mind. And I'm, no. God, if you took me out of that and you're bringing me into this, you're not giving me less. I want that country club and I want to change people's lives in it. I want the gospel to be spread in it. I want to pray for somebody's hurt wrist. I want to pray for somebody's hurt back. I want them to be healed in Jesus' name. And went, why not? Let's start having church there. That's how my mind thinks. It's not about the golf. I mean, I like golf. But I'm not going to lie. Might have to repent. But it's already happening. I think we've been there a week. 
Been there officially a week, and it's already happening. Showing a video of a, a, a young woman being brought back, back from the dead to the life on a video from Africa. And he's like, whoa, no way. You've cast out demons? Yeah, it's real, bro. Yeah, we've seen deaf ears open and blind eyes open. He's sitting there, he's like, what? Where do you go to church? Oh, man, we go to church at Life Church. Pastor Mark's the head pastor. It's awesome, man. You'll see it every Sunday. It's a relationship that I have. It's a relationship that we have. And we must, we must start doing it. And we must start putting into action towards one another so that we start walking in love. They, the, the Bible says, because of the love you have for one another, Zach, they'll know that you are of me. If you don't know that love this morning, I'm talking to you. This whole thing is about you. One day in a church, it was all about me, and I was the only person that raised my hand. I felt completely naked in front of every man in that place and every woman in that place. I went, oh my gosh, it's just me. And I could care less. It was a day that changed everything. Changed everything. I look at people different now. Do you? Or do you still look at them and talk bad about them? And it's okay. We've all been there. Sometimes we kind of slip back into it. And I'm like, whoa, shut up. Go to the bathroom. Leave this conversation. Sometimes you got to learn tricks. Shove food in your mouth. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and